Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with nutrition scientist and registered dietitian, Dr. Michelle Cardell. I came across a paper she wrote for the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics that really hit a nerve for me. While it was written for health professionals, it touches on an issue that I think most of us can relate to. There are two things that are both true about health and weight, yet seem to be diametrically opposed to one another. And the more you scroll online, the more heated the conversation about it gets. One truth, diet culture and a focus on weight loss is toxic. And the other truth is that many people in the US would be healthier and feel better if they lost weight. So how do we reconcile both of these as individuals and as a society. Well, Michelle Cardell is gonna help us figure it out with her one real good thing, rethink weight loss. She's a faculty member at the University of Florida College of Medicine, where she's also an associate director for the Center for Integrative Cardiovascular and Metabolic Diseases. And she's the senior director of Global Clinical Research and Nutrition at WW. Well, welcome, Michelle Cardell. It is wonderful to have you here. Um, really appreciate your being here on to discuss this with us. Um, I wanted to give a little bit of background before we kind of launch into it. Um, a few years ago, I was so upset and perplexed by what was an increasingly contentious divide on my social media feed. So on one side, there were public health experts advocating that people attain and stay at a healthy weight. And on the other side, anti-diet health experts saying any attempt at weight loss is unhealthy. I have long believed that diet is a four-letter word, but I also felt that the conversation was really more confusing and frustrating and contentious than it needed to be. And I felt confused and frustrated by yeah. it. So I can only imagine how people feel, lay people who are not health experts, seeing these comments on, online on their social media feeds and even hearing them maybe in conversations. So I wound up writing a column for the Washington Post about that, which I will post a link to on my website. Um, but the conclusions I came to in that column, which I'm going to get to here later, were very much in line with what you wrote in your recent commentary, which was published in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So I loved the article. It really resonated with me. And that's why I, I reached out to you. So thank you again for being here. And, and please um, pardon my long preamble there, but I would love to know what inspired you to write your article. Please tell us. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. So it's a real honor to get to be here with you today. Uh, so what inspired us <laughs> to write the article? Um, it is an interesting story. Um, I was part of an online community group where it brought together many um women and people who identified as mothers and who identified as, as academics. And in this online group, um, somebody reached out and said, Hey, you know, um, I'm really interested in, in losing some weight. Um, I'm not feeling, you know, my best self. 
my, my knees are hurting. I'm not able to keep up with my kids. Um, you know, can, I know that there's a lot of experts on here. Can somebody please provide me with some advice on how to best go about this? Well, people like myself and some of my friends and colleagues who, um, you know, have expertise in, in weight management, you know, people who are registered dietitians and, and psychologists, nutrition scientists jumped in to say, hey, absolutely, we can provide resources for you. And we shared this information uh, with this individual who is, you know, asking and reaching out for, for help. And the, the aftermath that ensued in this group really left me um, shocked. Uh, we were told that we could not talk about weight on this platform, that we couldn't talk about weight loss, that the words BMI or weight were banned from discussion. And it, it was so surprising to me as both a, a registered dietitian and as a, as a researcher to see this pushback that when somebody is asking for resources that were evidence-based, there was such vitriol in the response um, from, from the group. So myself and, and some of my friends and colleagues who were involved in that um, got together afterwards to really debrief on the experience. And we said, you know, there's this polarization happening and we really need to find a way to bridge the gap. Uh, we do not believe that, that um, providing evidence-based care for those seeking weight loss is mutually exclusive from fighting against weight stigma and discrimination. And so we brought in our colleagues who were eating disorder experts and uh, weight management experts, and, and we really came together to try and, and bridge this gap. Well, your article does that so beautifully, and there's so much depth in here. And while it's written for the professional reader, um, I really think there are so many things that we can talk about here that's really for the layperson. But if there's professional health professionals listening, I think you can really glean something from that too. But I think just this whole notion of that, like there's this infighting and there are walls being built. Mm -hmm. And I think who the person or the groups who win when these walls are being built up amongst health professionals is that everyone just goes to, you know, fad diets and unproven influencers and, and these types of claims that are ridiculous and prey upon people's hopes and dreams and wishes and it pulls it out of the professional's hands. So I think to bridge this is so critically important. Um, and so the two things, just to be clear, that we're bridging here. Um, so just also to be clear, your one real good thing is to rethink weight loss. And in that, bridging this gap of where does weight loss fit into this bigger health picture with a mindfulness and an awareness and a fighting against mm -hmm. weight stigma and eating disorder behavior. So we can have both, right? Yes, we're we're being told this like false dichotomy that we have to pick between you know providing evidence-based weight management treatment or fighting against weight bias and discrimination and preventing disordered eating behavior. And I I absolutely believe this is a false dichotomy. Well, let's 
you're totally bringing that to the table. And I love that. But let's talk about the one side of it here. So let's talk about the side of it, about how focusing on weight in our culture and the way we think about weight currently in our culture can be often detrimental and why we really do need to rethink it. There, there really needs to be a paradigm change here. And many of these voices, the voices that kind of shut out the conversation on your Facebook group are well-intended in that they're trying to reduce this damage. So tell us about this. Why do we even re- need to rethink this in the first place? Absolutely. So a lot of what we historically have known and based our research and clinical practice on has been on on BMI or body mass index. So body mass index, it's a value derived from a person's height and weight that is, was, you know, intended to be used as a very quick and inexpensive and non-invasive screening tool to estimate health risks at the population level. But at the individual level, where we're often seeing it be used to define things like overweight or obesity, its utility is really limited because it's not a diagnostic tool. And it doesn't differentiate between things like fat mass and muscle mass and how that plays a role in health. And then on top of that, the association between BMI and health outcomes is not only fairly weak, but then it can differ by racial and ethnic groups and has really been suggested to have its roots in white supremacy. So I'm very happy to see that there is starting to be a movement away from BMI as a diagnostic tool. And so you're getting at really the very essence of the definition of obesity. So Mm -hmm. there's so much talk in our country and our health, public health messaging Mm -hmm. about this obesity epidemic. And there are a lot of anti-diet voices that are like, there is not none, really the way we're defining it. Um, and it's really, and it's actually damaging it to your point that where it's right now, it's only defined by the body mass index, which by the way, just for people who are not like steeped in this kind of stuff, yeah. the body mass index is a measure, uh, a measure of your height and weight. It's a parameter of your height and weight. And so a large body mass index will give you a diagnosis of overweight or obesity. However, you could have a high body mass index if you have a lot of muscle mass. If you're a massive bodybuilder and you you weigh a lot, but it's all muscle, you will still be diagnosed as obese if if your height is, you know, if you have a lot of weight for your height. So it doesn't really account for that. So you can be like really a fit Ironman and be diagnosed as obese. So it does have flaws, this definition. But also to your point also is that it depends on weight distribution and so many other factors. Just because you have a large body doesn't mean you're unhealthy. And I think this messaging really has been damaging in our culture because we feel like we can't live in our society in a large body. Um, and, and so we wind up with really troublesome weight bias in our culture, where we look at people in large bodies as somehow lesser or lazy, whatever kinds of preconceived notions we have that make it harder for them to walk around in this world, right? If you're in a large body. Mm-hmm. And also eating disorders, we're so f- if we're fo- so focused on this number on the scale, we can actually drive ourselves into an unhealthy place 
that we can weigh. Yes, it doesn't look like obesity. We're not looking like an unhealthy weight. We might even be in a really healthy weight zone, but we could have the very unhealthy eating habits and have a very unhappy, unhealthy life around food. So there are problems here that need to be fixed. And I think starting this conversation uh, between health professionals the way you did in your article, but also having this conversation change amongst just the lay public. How do we talk about health? How do we talk about weight? How do we perceive weight? How to perceive our own weight is all such critical things to rethink, which is why this one real good thing, rethink weight loss is so important to wrap your head around. And it's such a big topic. Um, but in your, so in your article, you talk specifically, which I was really like, bing, you know, set off these light bulbs for me, um, of there being a new definition of obesity. So to really not entirely scrap the old definition, but mm -hmm. revamp this, which is very much needed based on what we've been saying. Tell us about this new definition, this proposed definition of obesity. Yes. Yeah, so the Canadian guidelines and the World Health Organization are really encouraging us to redefine obesity as the state of excess adiposity, which is just a fancy word for fat, that is associated with adverse impacts to quality of life or physical health. So what this new definition does is it takes a health-focused approach rather than a weight-focused approach. And from a clinical perspective, you know, BMI can still provide important information, but it's just one data point. And this data point alone is not enough to define obesity at the individual level or to make medical decisions. You know, we cannot tell anything by looking at somebody's body shape or size and know anything about their health status, their health-related behaviors, their quality of life, et cetera. So we really need to take this health-focused approach uh, moving forward. So how amazing and what a concept that it takes it out of literally just the number on the mm -hmm. scale mm -hmm. as it re relates to your height, all right? But in the, the real experience for the individual going to their physician is that they get weighed and then all these decisions and, and preconceived notions are made about them based on this number, right? In a doctor's office yes. or in a nutritionist or wherever you may be in a clinic. Um, so now we're expanding that, the idea of expanding that to include your well-being and your health, your, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, all of that. But wow, that really changes what's demanded of the healthcare giver. Mm -hmm. It really does. And, you know, because stigma and bias against those living in larger bodies is so pervasive in, in, in our society, so many patients and even healthcare providers, you know, might erroneously believe that regardless of their starting weight, they have to achieve, you know, a BMI below 25, which is absolutely not true. And because of that, it's critical that healthcare providers explain these limitations of BMI as a measure of health and to really focus on realistic goals 
that can improve health, that can improve well-being, that can improve quality of life. We really want to rethink weight loss and shift it from being a number on the scale to something that's focused on holistic health and well-being. Yes. And so that's an important perspective from the professional health professional's point of view. But let's say you're in the doctor's office and your doctor is not keyed into this and they say, oh, you're obese and you feel great and all your labs are fine and all that. Maybe you need to have a conversation with that physician saying, look, let's look at these other aspects of my life and see if is this this may or may not actually be a problem for me. And so maybe find a physician also who's willing to have that conversation with you um, as one of the steps you can take in your life in terms of rethinking weight loss. Absolutely. I think it's so important to have a healthcare provider that engages in respectful and compassionate and patient-centered care and is able to look at the health pick the whole picture not just trying to, you know, look at this one metric and make, you know, medical decisions based on a number on the scale or or just your BMI alone. Yeah. Um, so in my article that I wrote for the Washington Post, I concluded after really hashing out both of these sides, as we're discussing now, um, that abandoning weight loss as a goal, taking it off the table completely and refocusing on personal meaningful, healthy behaviors seems like our best shot at true wellness. So often if people, when they start to change their behavior, as you're suggesting, that is the focus. You just suggested that. And that was my conclusion as well. So like, let's really zero in on that. When you adopt healthy behaviors and you just focus on doing what is making you feel energized, what is making you feel good, what is making your whatever your labs, your medical labs come into a healthy zone. Um, very often people lose weight by doing that when they adapt these healthy behaviors. Maybe they're exercising more, maybe they're, you know, just being more active in their life, they're eating more vegetables and doing these things, it often results in weight loss. And that's fine, right? Um, but it doesn't always mean that. And it doesn't mean those behaviors are less effective at helping you get into a healthy place. Um, and sometimes actually weight loss is unhealthy. So let's like, how do, what's your take on that whole frame? Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, we need to get away from a focus on the number on the scale and into behaviors that we know can improve your health. So having a balanced and healthy dietary pattern, moving your body in ways that you enjoy you know, getting enough sleep, managing your stress, these are all important contributors to health. And for many, weight loss can mean engaging in fad diets or cutting out, you know, entire food groups or engaging in activities that leave you feeling, you know, shame or distress. Like this is not healthy. It's all about finding an approach that is is evidence-based, but it's livable and it's flexible and it helps you feel like the healthiest version of yourself, not just physically, but socially, emotionally, you know, we want to focus on, on moving our bodies in ways that, that move us. You know, we want to eat in ways that are satisfying and delicious and that make our bodies feel good. You know, simple things like putting your phone down an hour before bed and ensuring you're getting enough rest 
creating this like supportive environment of friends and family and community members so that you have people to share life with. All of these things go into the holistic health and, and well-being component that we're really striving for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you bring up the word shame, which I think it's a shame that there's so <sighs> much shaming. It just it seems like no matter what you do, you can be shamed for it. So I think do <laughs> ignore the shamers, right? But 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 truthfully, I think we really need to get out of this place where we're shaming people for wanting to lose weight in this society, or we're shaming people for not wanting to lose weight. And, and there's just so much of that in our culture and in our conversation that maybe instead of shaming people, we can really just meet people and respect them where they are, eliminate sources of shame and be more constructive in our conversation, um, but also help people with body acceptance regardless of their size. And, um, and maybe even within ourselves, with our own self-talk to help ourselves with body acceptance regardless of our size and just to to work on doing these behaviors and know that we're on the right path. Um, in the end, for me personally, I can never look at the number on a scale. I find it just horribly, uh, it just, it takes my eye, my eye off the prize actually. Um, and the prize being just feeling great. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I never look at a scale. I don't want to know about weight. Um, in the end, where do you really see the number weight, uh, the number of pounds fitting into this whole equation, just as a whole, and maybe, you know, both on a professional level, and maybe for individuals who want to be well? Yeah, I think the goal, uh, as you've said it, is we really want people to appreciate their bodies and all of the amazing things, you know, that our bodies do for us. For some people, they might feel comfortable including weight as part of their, their wellness journey. For others, like you're saying, weight or looking at a number on the scale doesn't add to you in your life. It sounds like it's something that it actually detracts from the bigger picture. So it's all about figuring out what, what works best for you and approaching it that way, you know, both from a clinical perspective, that's how I think, you know, healthcare providers should, should approach these things, but knowing yourself personally, what works best for me. And for some people, you know, studies show that you know, tracking weight, it can be predictive of success for those who are on a weight loss journey. And, you know, in these studies, we don't tend to see um, any sort of increase in, you know, anxiety or depression or um, kind of obsessive behavior. But for some people, that is very much a reality. And if you find yourself being one of those people, then then the weight piece isn't something necessarily that needs to be a part of your journey. And we really want to focus our attention on, on non-scale victories. How are you feeling? How are you sleeping at night? You know, does your, does your body feel good? How do, how do your blood, how does your blood work look? You know, how's your blood pressure, you know, really taking this more holistic approach to, to health and wellness. Yes. And even if weight is part of something that motivates you or that you like to track that you don't feel damages, I do think that it is still important to take that number for what it is. 
mm-hmm. which is one data point mm-hmm. in a constellation of who you are. Right? It does not define you. Absolutely. And no, yes, we are not our weight. We are not our number on the scale. We are, you know, all of those beautiful things that that make us who we are. And it has nothing to do with our body shape or size or a number on the scale. So I think that's a great way to kind of overall wrap up this idea of rethinking weight loss as just one point in a constellation that you can include in your calculations of, or in your formulations of your wellness journey or your health path um, or not. And Mm -hmm. that is a choice. And then also maybe keying into all the weight biases that we have in our society and try to, to extract yourself from those and actually maybe even uh, act in a way that moves away from that, that helps us move away from that. Um, I think if we walk away from that, from this conversation with those notions, I think we've really come a long way with this one real good thing. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to just kind of to leave us with today? No, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to to come in and talk with you and just, you know, hoping that everybody out there listening can, you know, is experiencing um, a wellness journey that is really helping you to to be your healthiest self. And if you haven't started on that journey yet, or that journey is just not of interest to you at this point, that's okay too. Wherever you are, that is okay. And giving yourself the grace and the kindness that you would a friend, I think is such an important part of of, of this life journey that we're all on. Great advice. Michelle Cardell, thank you so much for being here, for your insights, and for getting us all talking, because we really, that's how we're going to get somewhere with all this. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to rethink the importance of that number on the scale in your life and as a whole. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Michelle Cardell and join me next time for another One Real Good Thing.